Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Well, that was a fun two weeks. Five raw games, three wins, two draws, and a place in the Asian Champions League group stage. It's setting up for an exciting final few months of the season here, and we're ready to take you through to the finish line. Welcome to the Griffin McMaster episode 20 of the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. I'm James Coglin here to host, and I'm joined by Scott Owen, as per usual. And filling in for Adam, who's busy living large in North America, is Griffin Mansfield-Taylor from Bayside United Football Club. Griffin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Good to see you, James. Griffin? Yeah, Scott, how was your weekend? Not bad, it was alright. Yeah, a lot of football? Yeah, as always. Griffin? Our weekend off before the season starts on the weekend, so just relaxing. Excited? Yeah, yeah, always. Alright, so we're going to get into the local leagues a little bit later, but right now let's get started with the A-League review. Alright, so the final test of the Raw's mid-season exam block came in Melbourne as they faced a depleted and desperate City side. Jamie McLaren added another penalty to his tally with a confident first-half strike, and the Raw could have easily put the game away with a number of chances but it was not to be as an equally controversial penalty decision went against the Raw, allowing their opponents to escape with a point and prevent the Raw from creating a real gap between them and the chasing pack. So, general thoughts on the game. Scott? I thought it was a good game, this actually. It was one of those games but it was always the Raw had to come out quick in the game because of the schedule they've had to Shanghai and back. I mean, they were always going to fatigue at some point and I thought it was imperative they got out to a first-half lead and they did. It's just unfortunate they couldn't hold on at the end. Griffin? Oh, well, with the five games being held in 15 days, if you had to take in, at the start, if you had to said there would have been three wins and two draws, I'm pretty sure everyone would have taken that. Especially if those wins gave you a spot in the group stage, but... And maintained third in the league as well. Yeah, that was a big thing. But I suppose, yeah, at the start of the two weeks, you would have said, you know, that would have been a productive period. But I kind of feel like given the conditions on the ground, maybe they should have gotten a little bit better. You know, a draw against Sydney was good, but this was a game that the way it unfolded, the Raw really should have won. You could say that, but I just thought, well, obviously the referee had a big impact. We'll get to him in a minute. But I do think the fatigue the, the, um, the Raw would have suffered in the second half. I mean, that's not an easy trip. I know in, in Europe it's the norm that you make trips all across Europe in the midweek and come back and play. But in Australia, it's not normal. But so also, you have to get used to that. But also comparing like the travel distance as well. Yeah, it's a huge difference. Like going from Brisbane to Shanghai is not going from London to Barcelona. It's a two-hour trip compared to a what is it, 16-hour round trip or something like that? Yeah, London to Barcelona is one of those old Top Gear specials on the BBC, whereas, <laughs> you know, Brisbane to Shanghai is an actual trek. Is it even a direct flight? Because I know on the way back they had to go through Sydney to go to Melbourne, so... It also depend on what time of day you're flying that's as well, too. because they had to go to Melbourne. Yeah, that's it. And, I don't know, I was a little bit surprised with the way Aloisi selected his team in the end. I thought maybe we would have seen a few more youth yeah. players, but he actually wound up going all out almost. Yeah, well, I was disappointed not to see Shannon Brady and um, Coletti at the end because they both impressed in that game against Global. And the other thing was with the fresh players getting subbed quite early on with Holman and Pepper when you still yeah. had Mackay on the pitch. I don't know why. But I think that was just trying to see the game out, really, bring on as much experience as you can. That seems to be Aloisi's default. If there's any trouble, you need to see the game out, get as much experience on the field as you can. So I wasn't surprised to see Pepper for Christensen come on. It was just, to me, it was a logical thing for him to do. 
Yeah, but I, I do also kind of wonder... Like, I question the wisdom of saying, all right, well, we left four guys behind. Why? I are don't they agree off? with it. I'm just saying yeah. that's what he does. That's the way he operates. I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like it was something that... Like, maybe they got a little bit greedy thinking, oh, we can push these guys ahead a little bit longer. Possibly. It might have been to do with the fact City had such a young side as well, trying to get more experienced players to try and out-physical them or something. Yeah, how do you think City's youth players held up? I think the City youth players went quite well especially in the second half when the game came to life and they started to stretch us a bit more. They definitely exposed our right-hand side in the second half, which was evident with the second penalty. Dangingham looked a bit cold, in all honesty. Nothing against him. Same with D'Agostino when he came on, but that's because they haven't had many minutes. When they've had opportunities to play, they just haven't been played. Yeah, I I got to admit, I thought Daningham was yeah like he showed glimpses against Global, but was a little bit uneasy and was kind of covered up yeah. by the scoreline. But in this game, I honestly thought he had rings run around him. Yeah, this game was certainly not his best effort. I mean, it is understandable that his second game professionally as a right fullback. He's a kid as well, but Global's a bit different Absolutely, to playing. Yeah. It's like a big difference. It's professional footballers against. They're still professional, but it's a completely different level. Well, was it Nicolas Colazzo down the left-hand side for a lot of that game as, yeah, well? as well? So it's not like he even was playing against someone he would have seen a lot in the youth league. No, definitely. Nicolas Colazzo is, in terms of our league, one of the upper echelon players. Yeah. All right, well, okay, as you mentioned, there was a little bit of refereeing controversy, just just slightly. I mean... Never com- seen that before in the A-League, have we? Oh, no, we've never seen it in sports at all. Right. Okay, yeah, Alan Milliner had a really bad game, but... Like, I go back to my default response. Find me a league that has consistently good refereeing. Like, wh- what do you expect? I mean, yeah, okay, the stage got to him, but it wasn't as though one team sort of came away thinking they were totally and completely screwed. No, not at all. Um, with the first penalty, Borello didn't even appeal. Mm, he's gone, no, he's fallen good. over and he's been given a penalty. It was just a gift. Everyone's kind of bamboozled by what's gone on. I mean, I mean I'm sure Borello wasn't complaining, but... No, and the second one was probably a slight touch on the shoulder. From England, but it's one of those, it's really, really soft, and it's probably almost literally just a square up. Yeah, even Being the commentary. Being told at halftime he's made a mistake, and I get hit harder up. by I get hit harder by three year olds at work. <laughs> even the commentary team was saying during the game that he's gone down very easily, and it was quite a soft penalty, for lack of a better word. Yeah, well, okay. All I would point out for that first penalty with Barello was Josh Rose, who actually committed that foul. He won a penalty. He won a foul, a free kick for the exact same type of incident in the first half. Now that wasn't in the box. And Bozza had, I honestly think, one of his really bad halftime breaks where he was saying, oh, a free kick is n- not the same as a penalty. And, well, yes, it is. It's still a foul. Like, if something happens on halfway, it's still foul a foul. A foul, yeah. yeah well, and they, it, were, they were comparing it to the Corey Brown incident and they were saying anywhere else in the field that's a free kick, why is it not a penalty? That was a penalty, by the way. Oh, well, that yeah. was dead set a penalty, 100%. But I'm just pointing... Yeah, well, Corey Brown, well, was he pushed it, one of the it, City players? Yeah, pushed one of the City players in the back, yeah. Him. Yeah, the Lucas Neal style of defending. Yes, very but, much. Like, I don't know. I just if it's a foul anywhere else on the field, it's a foul in the like it's a penalty. It doesn't yeah. matter if it, if it has higher repercussions. Don't commit a foul in the box. Yeah, I don't know. That's that just got me. There were other inconsistencies in the referee as well. I mean, I thought some of the fouls he gave in general play were not exactly consistent as well. And you, yeah, one hundred percent agree. <laughs> and your comment needs to be directed to Corey Brown. Yeah, what's he doing? Yeah, he, he's done it a few times this season where he throws himself into challenges and you're sitting there going, oh no, yep. oh no, oh no. <laughs> I was really worried about him getting a second yellow card when he got one in the first 20 minutes. I was like, this isn't going to end well. So I'll give him credit for at least staying on the field, even though he probably should have got a second yellow for his 
very early on, yeah. But, but that is actually a little bit of the maturity that we are yeah. seeing from Corey Brown, where I honestly feel like two years ago, he would have been sent off before half-time. But now we are seeing him grow as a player. And, you know, maybe it just comes from being the regular first-choice oh, left-back. Definitely. That was my point with Ingham earlier. The more minutes they play, the more they learn, the more they experience that environment. And they know they start to develop good habits. And you would know as a player who's played at a much, much higher level than Scott or I, I'm assuming yeah, Scott. No, I'm, you're right, trust me, you're right. But you would know, like, it's just repetition. The more you go, the more you learn. Oh, yeah, and with Dane being his first A-League game, it would have been in his head. You walk out on the pitch and you see all the people and it's kind of like, oh, this isn't Sunday kickabout that we get in the youth league, which, no offence to the youth league, that's essentially what it is. There's not Parents a lot. And there's, that's about it, yeah. There's, there's, not a lot of, there's not a lot at stake in that league and it's the same for them when they go play the men's NPL. There might be... In Queensland, what, 200, 300 people? Well, it is Melbourne City, day, so yeah. there might be that many in the stand. I, I mean, yeah, like, so it's completely different. The stakes are higher, and the only way you learn is by being involved in those games. No, you make a good point because the crowd against Global was, what, 3,000 or something? Yeah, and then it comes and to then a crowd this game of was like 10, so yeah. And it, look, on Corey Brown as well, it's one of those where that, that sort of performance on Saturday was replicated a lot last year. That's the first one this year. He's been very consistent for most of the year, so I think we should we should give him one. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, find me an A-League player that's put 27 good games back-to-back-to-back. Thomas Broich. Oh, you stepped on my job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Scott. But, okay, let's look at some of the positives for the Raw. Jamie McLaren, do you think he's back in form? He made some good runs, actually. But I thought Arana actually was feeding him the ball really well. I think it's Manuel Arana who created that second goal for him. And I think he's if, he struggled to get up to pace. Manuel Arana, probably because he got here late with fitness. But the last month, I've seen some signs from him that he's got something to offer. And if he gets, starts to produce that in the last third of the season, then all the better for the Raw. I have a bit of a different view. I think it's a bit of a myth that McLaren ever lost form. He got put on the bench just as he was starting to find his stride. For whatever reason, whether it be the contract talks or so that no one would sign him, I don't know why he was benched. No one really knows. That's still a bit of a mystery. But now that he's back in the side, he's starting to find his stride again, taking off where he left before he was benched. But I don't think anyone's ever said McLaren hasn't been physically not at the races. It, is, it seemed to be a mental thing with confidence. Like, he's had a few one-on-one chances that I remember last year, and even when he was with Perth, he would have buried them into the bottom corner. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It, it, he wasn't not scoring goals. It's just everybody was expecting him to be more prolific mm. after the season he had last year. And everyone was kind of a bit underwhelmed at the start of the season he had, but... I think now people are starting to see the Jamie McLaren we expected. I think it's underwhelmed and also frustrated with the whole off-field stuff, which isn't his fault in truth. That's more his agent's deal, but it, it, that was very frustrating. But with McLaren, since he got back in the side in Wellington, he's been spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. The effort he put in off the bench in that second half against Wellington to really want the goal, and ever since then he's been really good. So. He, he certainly does look refreshed ever since he's come yeah. back into the starting squad. And Yeah, I, I honestly feel like McLaren... I, I still would happily see him stay, even if it is just for another 12 months. I think that's best for him as well if he sticks around for another 12 months. Yeah, he's not, he's not ready for Europe yet. Yeah, I think if he was having a second season like he did uh, his first season in Brisbane, you know, scoring 20 goals and yeah, really being one of the case, leading yeah. strikers. But I think now we're sort of seeing him have to deal with a little bit more adversity. I've noticed at games he's getting marked a lot tighter. Like, I think it was Newcastle where they put Lachlan Jackson and Nigel Bugard literally on each shoulder and said, <laughs> all right, we dare you to get the ball to him. And the Raw couldn't. But the other thing with that as well is we've got to play to suit his attributes a bit more, I feel, sometimes. He's not a let's-hold-the-ball-up striker. He no. wants those balls in behind, and sometimes we just we refuse to do it for him. Yeah. I don't understand why. I see you've been listening to the show, Griffin, where I've been calling <laughs> for that since week two. You have. 
But yeah, look, overall, I think it's encouraging to see that a lot of the players that we were a little bit uncertain about, like Arana, like McLaren, they are starting to run into form. And with a busy period coming up, you are going to need these guys in top form. You will need them. Every single player in the squad we're going to need over those next 14 games. That's not even including potential finals or potential round of 16. Which the Raw did get a little bit of a break on, which we might come to in a later segment. It did end with a, on a little bit of a sour note, though. Daniel Bowles, he's apparently ruptured his right ACL and is out for the remainder of 2017. How big a blow is that, Griffin? Uh, well, Daniel Bowles was just hitting form, playing those last few games, whether it be at left-back, right-back, centre-back. He was just starting to find his stride in the side. But on a good note, they have reacted quickly to sign that injury replacement in Papadopoulos, who we, I'm assuming we'll touch on later. Yep. <laughs> but the only problem with him is he's been dwindled in that match-fixing scandal in Greece. So there could yeah, be yeah, some yeah, repercussions right. of that as well because Sydney FC were interested in him. Wouldn't that be just the Raw's luck? <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's going to do it for segment one. Scott, you got any last thoughts? Bowles is a big loss, though. The versatility that he brings at the back is really valuable. All right, that's going to be it for segment one of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Back to the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside Nine uh, Outside 90 Fan Network. I'm not going to delete this and start again. Let's just keep going. It's James, Scott, and Griffin with you today in place of Adam. So, so yes. now you're getting a real sense of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, but this time I didn't swear, so we can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So segment two, we're going to go all Asian here, and the Raw talking about their Asian Champions League qualifier win. And, yeah, so mere hours after we finished recording episode 19 last week, the Raw took on the big-spending Shanghai Shenhua and came away surprise victors thanks to a spectacular first half. Brandon Barella and Tommy All got the two goals before half-time. And you could tell All really enjoyed that goal, by the way. So it means the Raw are now guaranteed another fix- six fixtures in the group stage of the Asian Champions League. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's talk about the game. Scott, what did you think of the first goal? Well, I saw the first goal because we were also recording here late last week. So I got home in the fifth minute and it was already 1-0. So I didn't actually see it until halftime, but it was a fantastic goal from Brenda Barello. I know, I just wanted you to tell that story. <laughs> no, that volley was absolutely spectacular. Yeah, complete quality all around. Good ball in from, I think it was Tommy Orr. And Brandon Barello just completely did the best what he could with it. And that was Tommy Orr's best game by far for the mm. Raw since he's been back. Yeah, talk about putting yourself in the shop window. Like Performances Absolutely. like that will do it for Tommy Orr. Yeah, it's been linked to moves into Asia and this is keeps this up in the Champions League. He's going to be snapped up really quick. And also, like talking about players in the last segment that have really stepped up lately, I think Orr might actually be the biggest improver out of everybody. What about Borello? Well, Borello's actually been yeah. consistent when he's been on the field. He but hasn't I- been playing lately. That's mm. the thing, I mean... Since he's been back in the side, he's been arguably the best player on the field every game, basically. But yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying what we're seeing from Tommy Orr. Like, the end product still isn't entirely there, but I feel like he could be the X factor for the Roar over these next few months. Oh, especially in the Champions League. Getting in between the lines with, especially against like a Chinese side like 
Shanghai who aren't as disciplined and they're still a bit rusty because they're just hitting the start of their season, that could provide a little spark, a little something extra that we need. One thing I noticed about the Shanghai side, though, it was very, very top-heavy. Like, you had guys like yep. Tev- Tevez and Obafemi Martins, but... And beyond... Moreno, the captain, number 10. Yeah, but even, but beyond that, it was a little bit rubbish. Yeah, they weren't... They were a bit overrated, I think. People just looked at the front third and just, oh, wow, they're going to be amazing. And they didn't really do that much. I mean, Martins was probably the best of the three. Tevez was absolutely anonymous. We Moreno didn't do little, much, though. and Martins was... He had a couple of decent chances, but... Was it luck? Well, Oberfemi Martin's missing an open goal. Yeah, that's luck. Jamie Young clawing that save where he should have put it on the other side. We did. We could have conceded. We did play well, but we very well could have been two all. Oh, yeah. I, I get that. But at the end of the day, like, Shanghai didn't bury their chances and the Raw did. And Oh, I- no, no. But, like, it wasn't due to us that Shanghai didn't bury their chances. Oberfemi Martin's had an absolute howler of a game. Not the Oberfemi Martin's. Well, it was well. Bell and Tevez. Yeah, better than Tevez, but still, he had the opportunities and he's made a complete meal of them. It's why he didn't last at clubs like Newcastle. Came onto the scene at Newcastle, was meant to be their next Alan Shearer. Lasted, what, 18 months? Maybe a little bit longer? Yeah. Bouncing around since, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but I thought defensively, like, it was a good effort from the Raw. They did play quite well and it was pretty much the first choice backline. It was the first choice backline until Hingit went off with his ankle injury. That was 2-0 and then Bowles came on so that was the first choice defence plus the backup so that was a big blow losing Hingard as well but probably a good thing for Bowles to come on at that time that would have been a shrewd move either way Bowles has got that bit of extra height a bit more stability at the back more of a central defender so provides that extra shut up shot material I think he would have come on anyway because he looked at the bench that night Bowles was the only one who had any experience at all the rest were all the the youth players so he was coming on regardless at some point in the second half it was just a matter of for who really hmm but and another player at the back who had a pretty decent game was Jamie Young. And I feel like this is going to be the start of a fairly decent debate across a lot of Raw fans. But Jamie Young, another clean sheet. Scott, do you feel like he might be sort of making a case to become the regular first-team goalkeeper for the Raw? In the Champions League, sure. I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, you saw Aloisi mentioned he didn't take Theo Pula because of the age. I mean, you mentioned the Alistair Lynch brisbane Lions thing a couple of weeks ago, James. I mean, yeah. maybe that's going to be the case. Michael Theo will not travel for the away Champions League games, in which case Jamie Young's got a, a few games here to play. Well, I suppose they're not going to start Tomislav Bilic over yeah. Jamie Young. No, I, I'm a bit baffled as to why Tom, um, sorry, Jamie Young wasn't starting anyway in the A-League. Yes, his distribution isn't at the level of Michael Theo, but Michael Theo's also made a few howlers throughout the season. I don't see why Jamie Young ever got dropped. But given Jamie Young's history of howlers in his own right, do you feel like maybe those would have been repeated anyway, regardless of who was starting. What about last season, though, when Jamie Young actually stepped into the role quite well? Didn't he throw the ball between his legs and nearly give up an own goal? Did he concede the own goal, though? <laughs> no, he did come keep into the side questions? towards the end of the year, though, Jamie Young. Yeah, he, came, he definitely came into his own stride, and then start of the season, he's dropped again. Yes, something might have happened in pre-season that Theo... I think it's more the fact himself. that Theo's perceived as an experienced, safe pair of hands, because he's got the, the three attempts to throw all five all up. I think that's more... Whether it's reality or not, it's the perception, so... Uh, I, I admit, this is probably going to come across as a little bit bitter and jaded, but guess what? I am. I, <laughs> one reason that I really don't want Jamie Young starting is because you've got the Jamie Young fan club, which just say, oh, Jamie Young would have saved that when, what, Dimas put in that perfect free kick. And you just look at some of them and go, are you actually watching the same game? Because 
Okay, yeah, Jamie Young, I would give him. He's a phenomenal shot stopper. Probably, yeah. like, far and away the best one at the club. But all around, I feel like he's got a lower floor than Theo. And I suppose over the course of a league season, you don't want a guy that's going to potentially cost you three points. But a shot stopper can save you as well. Yeah. We don't... I guess it depends. Aloisi, it depends on what Aloisi favours. Does he favour someone who can play it with his feet, like Pep Guardiola? Have a look how that's going for Pep. Yeah. But all, but also, again, with Theo, like how many games this season has he saved? Like I remember that run, Sydney, West Sydney yeah. and Adelaide, where he had a whole boatload of saves. And, okay, yeah, he had the bad one against Western Sydney where it went straight through his hands, but it could have been a lot worse had somebody else been starting. Oh, potentially. Um, they're both decent keepers. We're, we're blessed with two quality keepers. Yeah, I think if you look at some of the old teams around the league, they would love to have either of Theo or Young as their options. I mean, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with Theo to keep playing. I think, he's a, I think he's a better keeper. I prefer Theo to Young. I, just, I get nervous watching Young as a clanger coming. Yeah, that's it. And you always get... It's kind of like a Quade Cooper for the Queensland Reds. You, I remember when he was developing as a player, you were sort of watching him through your fingers going, okay, this is either going to be a spectacular try one way or an intercept going the other way. If I watched the Reds, I might have seen that. <laughs> well, I'm, just trying to, I'm, trying, you know, I'm trying to bring in other sports here, you know. It's a global game, so... I don't know. There was going to be more to that. But, yeah, you're right. I think if Jamie Young or Michael Theo got on the open market, either one of them would probably start walk on to five A-League clubs. Yeah. At least half the league would have either of them open arms. All right, so we're going to move on to the Raw's group. We've got Muang Tong United with their game on Tuesday. And you've got Ulsan Hyundai and Kashmir Antlers. So, Scott, we've got a couple of reunions coming up, I think. Yes, Dimitri Petrados will be back next week. Oh, next week, um, end of May, I think it is, when the Ulsan comes to the Suncorp Stadium. And I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see when uh, Costa Petrados comes back as well, because isn't it a family deal or something? (laughs) That's what they got at the Jets anyway. (laughs) Griffin, how optimistic are you about the uh, squad's chances of progressing to the last 16? Good. I think we've got a good chance of progressing. Realistically, we should be finishing, at worst, third, very close to second. That's, that's the worst we can possibly finish. Pass Mark's getting out of the group, and I don't see why we can't top it. You're a honestly. harsh marker. Pass Mark wasn't beating Shanghai? No, not now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you're here. Okay, that's now good, that yeah. we're here, like, why, do, why not dream a bit bigger? Yeah. Why not look to do a Wanderers? Like, that might be a yeah. bit out of the scope, but why not? No, I think it's going to come down to two games against Ulsan. It's the, the Korean teams that have stopped the Raw going through in the past. But I do think they've got a good chance. I'm just wondering at some point, is the Raw's A-League ambitions and Champions League ambitions going to clash? And is there going to be a point where they're going to have to say it's one or the other? And with the injuries that are going on at the moment, yeah. like, have you heard anything about the status of Jack Hingham? I've heard he's out for the game against Perth and Muantong United and he'll be back for the A-League game. Is it Wellington the week after? Yeah, at home. I think he's back for that, so probably we'll get in segment four maybe, but Dane is probably going to play both these games now. Yeah, especially, well, Daniel Bowles is gone. Yeah, so, so might... you're really running short on options now. I, I, I kind of feel like, you remember, was it the 2015 campaign where they were playing down on the Gold Coast? You've got to remember, they were mathematically in it going into that last yeah. game, and it might have actually been more than maths. I think if they won, they were through. No, it was they needed a result one way or the other in yeah. the other game. It was a draw, okay. but it was, that was an interesting as well because Tyson basically had two squads. The A-League squad, and then the, other, the A squad and the B squad, and sometimes they play different competitions. Remember the youth team played... Number 41, yes. Yeah, basically just to, to keep players fresh for midweek games. So he just basically, right, I'm splitting the squad. I think Aloisi's going to do that. Yeah, Aloisi's an experienced be, campaigner yeah, in Europe yeah. as well. He's been yeah. there, he's done it. He knows that to compete on multiple fronts, you need to rotate players. Yeah, he's going to be more rotations, bringing players in between. It's not going to be two split squads. So Yeah, well, I, I think at some point he's going to have to make a decision, though. 
it may actually be in week one of the finals when you've got a home a potential home final, then you're away to, in Thailand, and then week two of the finals potentially. That, that maybe that's the point where you're going to have to make a decision. Also depends if we've already qualified yeah. for the next round. It's all very much yeah. up in the air. Because one thing we've noticed with the A-League ladder, it's yeah. still a fluid situation. Yeah. And I think, okay, Sydney FC at the top, they're pretty much home I and host. I think book victory for second as well. They're yeah. seven points clear. I don't think we can catch them Not with, with the Champions League left. in no. hand as well. So, well, if it wasn't for yeah. Champions League, you think maybe they could make a run? Because yeah. victory had been kind of inconsistent. We are going to get onto yeah. that in segment three, though. We have to also make sure we finish in the top four to get that home final week one as well. Because if we've got to go away in week one, then away in Thailand, then away again, potentially, if we were to win, that starts to get really hectic. And I think we're going to probably talk about the Raw's home form compared to away form yeah. in A-League finals around about, what, April 16th, give yeah, or take? when the finals start. Yeah, so let's look ahead to Tuesday night. I know it's, what, six days away compared to when we're yeah. talking now, but it's Muantong United. It's a tie side. The Raw's sole game against a tie opposition was that nil-nil draw. Snooze fest. Yeah, yeah. With, with the penalties where I think the... I'm not going to say the Raw players missed them on purpose, but I honestly think they just wanted to get out of dodge. <laughs> It was such a dreadful game, that wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, painful. We Very painful. It, they might, they might, the players might have been going, we don't really deserve to advance after that performance. I don't know. But, uh, Griffin, are you overall optimistic about the chances of winning this game? Against Wang Tong? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I don't see why we shouldn't go into every game feeling like we can't win. We've got a good squad. I think everybody underestimates how good our squad actually is, yeah. whether it be on paper or... You go rock up to games and everybody should be looking going, we can win this game. Even when we play the likes of Sydney FC, Shanghai, Melbourne Victory, we have on paper one of the best squads in the league. And I think it's a bit, the position we're in is good being in third place, but the fact we're so close to the chasing pack and so far away from the top two is a bit disappointing personally yeah. for me. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. I, but I also think, okay, just focusing purely on the Asian Champions League, by the way, Scott's wearing the uh, initial... Asian Champions League away jersey yep. today for those of you interested in the show's fashion. <laughs> but the last two Asian Champions League campaigns, the Raw fans have gone in really optimistic. Like yeah. I remember that first game against Tokyo, I was thinking, oh, you know, it's going to be a case of how much are they going to win by, almost like what it was against... So you underestimated FC Tokyo, didn't you? Yeah, you, you? Oh, well yeah. and truly underestimated FC Tokyo. Abs- absolutely. But that's what I mean. Like, how many times... And that happened as well in that uh, second season where everyone was thinking, oh, they're going to finish... Well, I know I was far and away thinking, okay, it's going to be a clear top two. So could could there be a false dawn here again? Don't think there's a clear top two, but I think there's a clear top three. I don't think any of these three sides should be... That was two years ago, like with Beijing. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think anybody should be really... On paper, Wontong United should not be a concern. It's the Thai Premier League. Yes... They, they finished the top of their to league. The Thai Premier League, though. So. Yeah, and they won their first game on the weekend, 4-0. But, and they do have some quality players. They have Zisco, who used to play for Newcastle United. Um, but apart from that, their squad's a lot of Thai players. And I feel like, realistically, we should have the upper hand over them. Careful writing off Thai players, though. Ange Postacoglu can tell you all about yeah. Australian teams losing to Thailand. So, But I do think this game's massively important. It's a home game. You only get three in the Champions League. Mm. It's at a time when we have an opportunity to manage the squad well. You've got an okay way trip to Perth, but a home game to Wellington after it. So you should be able to prioritise this game here. And, and a decent bit of rest in, yeah. after this game as well. Yeah, uh, well, yeah look, I, expect- I, don't think, I don't think it's a must win because we all said Beijing at home in my day one two years ago was must win and they didn't win it because we all thought they'd go to Ulsa, um, Urawa and lose and they, and they surprised so- everyone at once. So I don't think we can say it's must win, but I think 
getting coming out of this game with something is absolutely important. important. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, consider. Yeah, we'll consider the last two Champions League group stage openers, the yeah. Roar of Lost, and yeah. that is going to be very important for them to get off on a good start. We're going to predict this game in segment four. Oh, feel free to go as ridiculous as you want with predictions, by the way. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. has Adam not used yeah. that. If you want to say 10-0, it's fine. <laughs> Actually, that was one quick story I just remembered. They have announced officially that the games are going to be played at Suncorp Stadium. I know there was a yeah. little bit of a concern there, but uh, I think Mark Kingsman confirmed that over the weekend. I think they're only yeah. opening up the um, yes. east and the north and maybe the south. For, purely for TV p- purposes. Yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. It's James Scott and Griffin here, and we're going to go through some of the news and scores from around Australia. Let's get right into the A-League. We've got Sydney FC beating Wellington 3-1. Not the greatest pitch, and the big story to come out of this, Sydney FC weren't actually charged for the stadium high because the pitch was so bad. No, I think the most interesting thing about this game is that when they scored two goals, they all got three sausage rolls. That's been the most interesting thing that happened in this game. It was a typical like, Sydney FC bully the opposition at home and run over them. And also it was a Thursday night game. so yeah, With no yeah. one in attendance, yeah. They really need to look at that. Yeah, Thursday night football is not a good idea. Outside of school holidays, it's, yeah. Mid- it might work for TV, but it looks terrible mm. when you see no one in the stands. But... Yeah, I, and also like, yeah, Sydney FC are the league leaders. They should be drawing at least 10,000 a game, surely. And if they want to be the premier club in Australia, I think Simon Hill was saying this earlier today, he, like, Sydney FC should be a bigger getting bigger crowds. They should be, but we don't know why they're not. We're not in Sydney. We don't know all the... Graham Arnold. I'm just going to blame him. It's a tough place to get to as well, that stadium. (laughs) It's not exactly close to public transport, but anyway. Perth had a rare away trip and they made the most of it because it was only a short one to Adelaide and they actually thumped Adelaide 5-0. Yeah, I think that puts a lot of pressure on Guillermo, especially considering in his contract he can leave as early as February 28th. Ooh. Yes, really? if, he, if he decides he doesn't want to stay on, he can walk out. Well, there you go. That could be... Do you reckon that's going to happen? Um, potentially. I think from the club's point of view, it might be worth just terminating, rebuilding, starting again for next season. If he's might not going to hurry up then with Champions League in mind. I mean, that's all they've got to play for now. Yeah. If you don't want him walking out after one or two games of that, you're better off happening now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that within the next couple of days, they'll sit down, they'll have a chat, and they'll decide to plan forward. But the, but the other thing also is, you know... How much of an advantage is it getting that three-month head start? Because there are coaching candidates out there. Mark Rodan, obviously the leading name. If you're looking for a local, if you're looking for a local coach, he's got to be the first one you think of. Damien Murray as well. He's coaching at Adelaide City. I mean, he's was he's been linked a couple of times now as well. So well, you never know. All right. So the Wanderers went down to the Mariners two 0 Tony Popovich is uh, reportedly getting some interest from Shanghai Shenhua again. What about Tony Popovich? Still going to make the grand final? Well, there's always hope, I suppose. Unbelievable. But that report with Shanghai Shenhua, there's reports for Popper every year. Last year it was Crystal Palace. 
was Crystal Palace again earlier in uh, earlier in the season when Pardew got the sack. So you never know. I do wonder how much is it just purely because they lost last week to the Roar and, and Gus Poyet's under a little bit of pressure now. Whether they're just linking this... After to, one game. Yeah. Well, with the amount of money they've got in that squad, <laughs> there's got to be a oh, it's, it's It's very top-heavy, as we mentioned before, though. All Tethers and Martins. Mm, but um, a game that was postponed because of the heat on Saturday afternoon, Newcastle-Melbourne victory... Maybe they yeah. should have postponed it another night to see yeah. if the players would actually show up and make it entertaining. Get to that in a minute. I'll talk about the Mariners. I mean, are they, oh, yeah, that's they're right, right. now. They're, they're what, two points out of the top six now, Central Coast. I mean, like for the last few weeks, we've been saying oh, they're probably not in fast contention, but it's good to see them competitive. I think they're now, you have to say, they're in contention. Yeah, they could absolutely pushing. get in. And they're look, pushing hard. And look, the Mariners have gone through a lot of rubbish over the last few years. Like I think last year they conceded 70-odd goals. Yeah, the most goals ever conceded by an A-League team, yeah. But some of those players that have stuck around... Again, it was the Fox football guys. I forget who said it. it might have been Mike Crockwell saying, they're really, like, they're getting the payoff now for those guys getting the match experience. Proper coach and a few more experienced players around them. And I think when they improve upon those experienced players, they'll be even better again. Yeah, Paul Ogon has done a fantastic job with them. Uh, by his comment in that 4-0 loss to Sydney, we were the better side. I think he's done quite a good job. Yeah, I was, we were actually talking about that in here. I think that was almost literally just, he's got a young squad. He was publicly... Picking them up, not wanting to batch them. I think privately he would have said something a bit, a bit different. More yeah, realistic. But it was. Yeah, I think Adam's still actually laughing about that over yeah. in North America <laughs> right now. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So a quick uh, update of the A League table: Sydney FC eleven points clear with. Hang on, quick, quick bit of maths here. Eight games to go. Yeah. Home and host. Yeah. Just well a matter truly. of when. Yeah. Mm. I actually, we'll actually have to try and look during the week and see if we can work out when exactly that's going to be, the earliest they can claim the Premier's play. Melbourne Victory, the next best team on 36 points. Brisbane Roar are seven points behind them on 29. Then you've got Melbourne City and Perth Glory on 27 points. You can look all this yeah. up online, then by the way. This gets close between third, fourth and fifth, and then for the last final spot. Mm. Well, anyone from Newcastle, anyone out of Newcastle, Western Sydney, Wellington and Central Coast might make it. And as we were saying, Central Coast are probably the informed team of that group. The question without Nosa Griffin, which, who do you think will end up in the top six? Out of the, the last spot. Since we don't know when you'll be back, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Newcastle. With Andrew Naboo, if he keeps his form up, and they've got a good side. So do Central Coast, but I think Newcastle just takes it. They've got a bit more steel, a bit more experience. Yeah, that's and it Champions League will hurt the Wanderers as well. I think that's every... People seem to think it'll be the Wanderers just stumbling in, but I think Champions League's going to hurt them. Yep. All right, so we're going to move on to the W League Grand Final, which was played over the weekend. I've just got a little bit of a story for you guys. So Sometimes football throws up some spectacular underdog stories, and the W League Grand Final was all set up for one. Eventually, it was a struggling Melbourne City team which emerged victorious to claim the club's third trophy in the last three months to appease their long-suffering fans. It's good to see a team that can only afford the bare minimum of salaries, basic training facilities, and no real big names just achieve the absolute pinnacle of the sport. Am I right? Scott's just shaking his head at me right I'm now. Not, I think you're being sarcastic, right? <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> there was no real surprises there, really. You have a look at their squad. They've got some quality players from the women's MLS. Jess Fishlock, uh, Lauren Barnes, Lydia Williams as well. Australian girl coming back from that league. So at the end of the day, who can compete with that? And they did this without their main striker, Larissa Crummer, as well. Scored 10 goals I mean, last year. She didn't play the second half of the year. So this is... Fantastic. And you got to credit to Melbourne City. They've really, since they've got the W League license, they've absolutely taken it to another level with the, the facilities and opportunities they've provided their W League side. It's raised the standard. And it's up to now everyone else to try and match that standard. Because I think 
A lot of people are hoping Perth would win this game just for someone different, but you have to give credit to Melbourne City. They've just the way they've blown the W League out of the water is phenomenal. So congratulations to them. And I'm actually curious, like, which victory was more impressive last year or this year, where they didn't actually lose a game this last year? This year, because they've got um, they've they had some adversity. They they lost they had like a four, a four or five game losing streak, and they they barely made the playoffs. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about would the Raw potentially take that fourth spot off them, and they got in, and they. Went to Canberra and won, beat the Premiers, and then they've gone to Perth, not an easy trip, and they've won that too. So speaking yeah. of the Raw, it's almost like their 2010 to 2012 run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely turned it around during the season, and good on them. When yeah. times get tough, the quality sides get going and show what they're worth. Yep. Yeah. All right. So uh, W League PFA Team of the Year Raw players Katrina Gorry and Claire Polkinghorne were both named. Then we've also got Katrina Gorry, Claire Polkinghorne, Mackenzie Arnold, and Emily Gilnick named in the Matildas training camp squad. Preparations for the Algarve Cup. Scott, what's like, that? I think it's like some like annual, like it's really prestigious tournament in the women's game because they don't play a lot of internationals. Okay. So for them, it's like one of the tournaments that they play pretty regularly. So it's a good bit of recognition for the raw side. Like they do have some really good players in there. Yeah, in a subpar season, really, they should have finished yeah. a bit higher than they did. Good to see some positives come out of it, I guess. Yep. Okay, so we're going to move on to the news now because we are trying to keep this segment a little bit short. Good luck in pronunciations. All right, young raw duo. Oh, da- oh come on. Danny Kemp and Jaden Prasad have moved on to Hume City. Giancarlo Solorzano has gone to St. Albans, both in the NPL Victoria. A little bit disappointed to see yeah. the two youth players going. It's again, it's a, I thought you were going to go with the Papadopoulos news, but I mean, it is basically it's a continuation of the cleaning out of the youth team. We've seen um, Joseph Champs go to Newcastle, and now you're seeing Prasad and Kim move on. I mean, the only player in is young Finn Beaker, so I'm wondering, is it going to be a case of players stepping up from the 18s? Or is Shannon Brady, etc., going to play more in the NPL this year? It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, it's a pretty continual thing with the raw players coming yeah. and going, so no surprises. Disappointed to see Prasad go. He was a good player, I thought, playing in that Australian under-20 side. So wonder if we'll see him back in the A-League soon. All right. I've rumours a couple of other players have moved on as well, but I might just we'll, leave that there. We'll save that until it's actually confirmed because yeah. we don't want to be out here uh, fear-mongering or something like no. that. Because I know everyone's really yeah. tied into the youth squad and everything. Absolutely. All right, so let's go with the Papadopoulos news. The Roar have signed an experienced Greek-slash-Australian defender in Papadopoulos. Scott, your thoughts on this? I think it's fantastic they were able to get a player in this quickly. I mean, the Daniel Bowles came out, what, three, three o'clock yesterday afternoon that he was out for the rest of the calendar year? There or thereabouts, yeah. So they very quickly acted to bring in someone who I think, I mean, Griffin mentioned his um, potential issues off the field with the match-fixing stuff, but this is a deal for about three months for the Roar. It's... 14 games, potentially a couple more than that, as James dropped a pen on the thing. That's what you heard. Well done. But I'm I don't think that this, this situation is going to get much worse in the next three months for him, but it's going to affect him. So I think it'll be okay in that respect. And it's a good bit of depth for the Raw now. The one thing he doesn't have is the versatility of Bowles, because Bowles could fill in anywhere across the back line. This guy seems like he's a, a pure centre-half, so it'll be interesting to see how they cover Started his career stuff. as a striker. Did he? Okay. Yeah, played right back and centre back for Olympiacos. I think there's a bit more to him than people know. Okay. Good leader, got plenty of experience in Europe and a decent league. And I saw a few people sharing his FIFA rating, which we always know is an exact representative oh. of it. You <laughs> won't see the football manager thing to go with it because he's in Japan and obviously don't have the license for that league. No, so that's don't. why you haven't seen that one pop up yet. <laughs> All right. And no, I didn't go checking last night. Never. How long did you spend looking? Uh, five minutes. Hours. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think it's good that they're at least bringing in another body because yeah. they are still a little bit light as we were talking about before. But 
Yeah, I think it's a good experience head to have, and he's obviously got experience on big, intense international stages. So he and should... in Asia as well. I mean, he played for Shanghai and, and Jubilo Iwata in the yeah. J League, so he's got experience with teams that we're going to be Come facing potentially. So that's absolutely invaluable. So that's going to be good news going forward. Okay, so we're going to move on to the FFA having a few issues with the club owners at the moment. There was a positive meeting. There's an extraordinary general meeting to be held in March to expand the Congress. Scott, can you... Basically, they're just expanding how many people can vote on who's going to be the chairman of the FFA because FIFA has said you're not, it's not good enough. Well, they, were, they had the least amount of votes yeah, so out think, of all the confederations. So basically, yeah. FIFA said we're more corrupt than Nigeria. I think basically the only people who can vote is... I think the A-League clubs get one vote between them. Women's football gets one as well, I yeah, think. Yeah, and then you've got the, the state federation gets a vote. And, if FIFA and that would makes know. up 10, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they're going to expand that and they're meeting about that and all sorts of other stuff. The owners also aren't happy about the state of the league, which we get to, but... Yeah. Not a great week for FFA headlines because it also came out that the A-League expansion criteria has been delayed Yeah, now. they're delaying it until after this whole um, FIFA Congress thing is sorted out. So they're basically saying it won't be out at the end of this month. It's basically said, well, it's in March, right, the thing. So at earliest you're going to see it is April. Mm. At which point you're almost... It's not happening for the start next of next season, season. Which they promised everybody, and it's now becoming a bit of a debacle. Griffin, you've got a few things you want to Never talk about with this. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, there's a lot of clubs that are going ahead with expansion yeah. stuff anyway. Strikers, Brisbane Strikers have said they're going ahead with it. That Victoria Patriots lot. Yeah. There's definitely... There's the As market. James smiles about the fact there's a team called the Patriots oh. potentially coming in. Yes. Still um, sticking with the Raw, don't worry. Yeah. yeah. The bullying versus South Melbourne game in um, NPL Victoria the night was live streamed. Yeah, it, was it got over. There was fifteen hundred at the game, plus close to fourteen thousand five hundred people watching it online. That's fantastic, really. They, they didn't say how long they stayed active for, but there was that figure thrown out in the press release. So there's definitely the market for more clubs. I think with the strikers, well, we still don't know what their bid looks like. We don't know if it's going to be a bid based out of Perry Park or they're going to become the Western Brisbane Strikers. I mean, we don't. I think they need to kind of flesh that out as well. Oh, I think there's strikers need to leave that Western Corridor alone. That needs. But that to might be, be the only way they get in, though. They, they, they could the come. FFA in, might say we want a team out of the Ipswich area. But they could come South Brisbane because for people on the south side of town, coming to Suncorp is actually a bit of an effort I sometimes. Think we've seen actually the Raw have more members on the south side than the north side. I might be wrong and, on that. I've and, heard that said somewhere. And also the training base down at Logan as well. Yeah. So they are trying to expand down into that area. But that that also. Um, I don't know, it kind of crowds the market, I feel. If they're expanding into all those areas, there's potential areas that, with population growth, especially that South Brisbane, that Logan area, yeah. that could come into that Western Corridor well, stuff as well. that's what I was saying. You could have, like, the Lo- you could have Logan, Ipswich, the Brisbane Western suburbs, and then out to Toowoomba. I mean, that's a catchment area that, if you can't make an A-League team work out of that, then you, you're not trying. Well, I was talking about this last night with my fiancé. Lovely romantic Valentine's Day conversation. <laughs> yeah. But I was saying, like, just off the top of my head, South East Queensland, you've got Sunshine Coast, West Brisbane, Ipswich Corridor. Yep. You've got the Gold Coast and you've got a second Brisbane team. That's four spots right there in southeast Queensland alone where you could justifiably yeah. put a team. Maybe not all four together. No, that S- wouldn't work. Sunshine Coast is going big for a bid. Mm, there's a businessman whose name I, I, I am can't forgetting. Say it. I can't say it. Yeah. They've just done up their stadium as well. They've put in a bigger bank on the hill so you get more people in. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think if they actually decide to play A-League fixtures out of there, it would be really easy for them to make it a properly enclosed stadium and play games out of there. The only problem we discussed in the past was accessibility yeah, because the problem. you can park there, you might be able to 
park a few blocks away on the beachfront. But if you're expecting a big crowd from Brisbane, for example, the problem is there's no option like the Gold Coast. Where you can just get on the train and you basically get the front door. Yeah. You get a train to the Sunshine Coast and then you've got to get a bus and all the rest of it. It becomes an actual hike. Going. They, could, they could do what they do in the UK and places in Europe and run the shuttle buses. Yeah. The away day shuttle buses, that would make it much easier. It would be interesting yeah. to see. Like, I think Sunshine Coast isn't one of those areas that can be sort of just thrown out just because... Well, you can't dismiss it. I mean, yeah. But until we see what the criteria is... No one has any Basically, idea. well, because in the Victory and Business Lunch on Friday... Di Pietro and Patrick Delaney, well, so Anthony Di Pietro, the victory chairman, and Patrick Delaney, Fox Sports chairman, they were basically saying expansion's a must. And the message I got is they're thinking Derby. So they're thinking another team in Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne. Adelaide and Perth as well? Well, they mentioned, they mentioned Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne, basically. So that's kind of where they're looking. And, you, and they've already mentioned that, that Fox Sports broadcaster will have a say in where the teams go. So I think we might be thinking Ipswich, Sunshine Coast, Gold Coast. I think it could turn out to be strikers. Brisbane. Brisbane, Geelong, and like the Southern Sydney bit. But I think that's one thing we're sort of seeing with the A League at the moment. It is stagnating. Like it we've is. heard people talking about it for the last month. Is you know the third Melbourne derby really lacked a lot of and spark. I think this third Sydney derby this week is also going to be. Yeah, I didn't know it was well. on until today. No, neither. So yeah, definitely the league needs to move forward. Whether they could be brave and put in four teams, but I feel they won't be. No. They definitely won't be. You know what they're like, play it safe. Yeah, but it definitely needs to start moving forward because the more teams there are, the more games there'll be, the more games there'll be, the more money they can ask for from TV broadcast deals. Yep. Particularly if you've got more big city teams as well. I think that's the thinking that they're going with. More big city teams, more eyeballs on those games, etc. Yeah, I think there's a lot we could really just keep pushing forward with this, but we're going to move on to the local league discussion because local football starting this weekend, guys. Yeah, looking forward to it. Sure is. But before that, there was actually FFA Cup qualifying. Got Brisbane's own round two winners. So we had Acacia Ridge, Annerley, Bethania Rams, Brisbane Force, Centenary Stormers, Ipswich City, Mount Cravat Hawks, New Farm United, Park Ridge, Pine Hills, Pine Rose United, Redcliffe PCYC, Sanford Rangers, Springfield United, St. George Willowong, Tarragindi Tigers, The Gap, and Tawong. Scott, thank you very much for putting that list together in alphabetical order, by the way. You're welcome, James. And Tuesday night is Virginia Western Spirit. I'm guessing you're looking up I know, I, know, I know the score for that. Virginia got up 13-0. Whoa. Spoiler alert, by the way. Western, Western <laughs> so Spirit. From what I've heard, Western Spirit sent very much an under-20 side and only had one sub, ended the game with nine players. Not a good night for them at all. Well, that top that tops the best result of the weekend because prior to that, it was Keishu just 9-0 win against the Lakes on Saturday afternoon. So 13-0. I've done it on the receiving end of that a few <laughs> yeah. times in futsal. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, not fun when you're the goalie either. Yeah, I was about to ask for you the goalie. <laughs> <laughs> In my defence, I made about 30 saves, but we were playing Keeping against guys... respectable. Oh, yeah. We were playing against guys that were bigger, faster, stronger, and had Actually, more facial no, hair. I take that back. 13-0 is not respectable. No, oh, no it's wait. not. It was 13-1. Oh, that's a little bit better. That's a little bit better. you got to be at least within 10. <laughs> All right, so... Actually, the sad thing is that was the night the Raw beat Adelaide 7-1. And the only reason I played is because half our team was actually at that game. Oh, no. Oh, no. I know. I'm still disappointed I missed that. Anyway, pre-season cups. Silver Boot final at Lions. It was Morton Bay defeating Ipswich Knights 2-1. And the Macron Cup final out at Penn Power. Penn Power 1-3-1, making full use of the home ground advantage, surely. Yeah, can't read too much in the preseason. I don't like to do that, especially having been a player who has done that in the past. Going, oh, preseason form's great. We're going to hit the season with the floor, like hit the ground running. Never eventuates. Your season fades away. Preseason's a good chance for everybody to learn the systems and the structures yeah. and get to know each other. So these results, 
not so important. Yeah, they're hard to read as well because some of these teams are in both competitions and you don't know which what is the senior side and which, which is the youth, etc. Yeah, That's the thing. Exactly. Yep, I think it's going to be really... I'm, I'm going to be really curious to see how it goes, but I'm always... These big... have been well supported though, particularly the one yeah. out at Lions. There's some good crowds out there. So. I'm a big believer in pre-season results do not matter. I no. think it's more important to work your way into form around about round four or something, or if you're Adelaide, round 21. <laughs> But that's just me. Optimistic they're going to hit form, are you? Yeah. Uh, well, what? Isn't this a turning point for Adelaide right now? You're dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that what they were saying every time Adelaide got a point for the first three months yeah, of the oh, season? They're, just yeah. about, they're back into their form. They're about to go on a championship run again. No. All right. So this weekend, Brisbane Premier League round one. You've got Saturday, Penn Power against Lions. Logan Lightning versus East. East. Ipswich Knights versus Albany Creek. Grange Thistle versus Mitchelton, Souths versus Rochdale Rovers, and Sunday Holland Park against Capalabar. Scott, which game of those do you reckon is oh, going to be? I'm looking the... forward to the first one. That's two clubs who are in perennial title contention in the Brisbane Premier League. I mean, it's a tough, it's a long trip for Lions up to the Peninsula. I think it's a very interesting game to see which of these two sides is in the best form. Obviously, Peninsula Power did win their preseason cup. Lions finished third. third yeah. They got beaten by Ipswich Knights, wasn't it? Yeah, they got beaten. Yeah, by so Knights, that's so. In- interesting to see what sort of form they're in. Uh, my pick for the weekend is the Souths Rovers game. Souths have recruited well. John McCain, right, yeah. bringing him in. That could be a huge signing both on and off the pitch. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. Rovers have brought in Kato Aochi and strengthened in other areas as well. But Kato's obviously their big name, big money signing. The Souths at Souths are excellent as well as quickly. That, that um, artificial pitch they've got there. I was there a couple of years ago and doing some MPL stuff for them. But that was fantastic facilities. Okay, so... We're curious to see how it goes. There's a long season ahead. Obviously, that's going to run through till about August, I believe. End of yeah. August, start of September. Yep, and the NPL Queensland starts yep. next weekend, so we're going to talk about that next week. We've got Griffin here from Bayside, you know, as well. Who you got this week? Uh, we've got Brisbane Knights away, probably the only time of the year where you're going to play them where their pitch is in a car park. <laughs> but, so, good time is for... Is that a good or bad thing for you guys? Good for us. <laughs> we like to play football, keep the ball on the deck. Um, we've got a very young squad, so for us facing adversity early on probably wouldn't be the best, but... Um, good time to face them. Looking forward to it. Yep. Really good prospects this year. And hopefully we can unearth some gems. And Best of luck this season as well. Yeah, oh, good luck. You. And you're you. going to share this out with all of your teammates, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> big, big griff on the radio for now. They're all going to love it. We, we don't think we've said anything too inflammatory just yet. So. No, no, yeah. not Give yet. it a couple. Give it a little bit. Wait, wait we'll till March. <laughs> all right, so that's going to do it for segment three of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to segment four of the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios for the Outside 90 Fan Network. I think I've got that intro down now, Scott. You have. About 20 time. weeks of there. Yes, thank you, Griffin. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, 20 yeah, weeks. First show one is just correcting everyone. Uh, yeah, we made face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> Won't say anything about your voice then. 
No, that's fine. <laughs> All right, so Scott, we've got some plugs for you to read out. Yeah, it's on our podcast, you can listen to on iTunes and Audio Boom on radio, Switch 1197, our Facebook, Brisbane Football Review, Twitter, at Raw Review. And if you like talking to James after games, here's the awkward guy in front of camera with the fan cams. Yeah, the one guy with the microphone. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, thanks for everyone that's participated in fan cams so far this season. Really? Obviously, if you're listening, come join us. Northern, uh, Plaza. Northern Plaza after the games, yeah, near the statue there. Yeah, we've had some really good ones the last few weeks. So. Just go to Wally. Yep, pretty yep. much. Yep. Yeah, we're trying. Griffin and I work together behind, uh, for our day jobs, and we were saying, you know, we're trying to get a few of the other guys yeah, from workshop. for a fan cam as well one day as well. Absolutely. Oh, mate, I missed the bus then. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you don't. I still catch it. Yeah, but I like to get home early. Oh, <laughs> I'll do it one day for you. One day. Excellent. You Thank go. you very much. Now. All right, so this weekend, the Roar are traveling to Perth. Go figure, another home game for Perth. Got to go there twice this year as well. Yeah, so in the last eight weeks of the competition yeah. as well. Yeah, I obviously complained about that earlier in the week too. Yeah, it's a conspiracy theory, I tell you. All right, so it's a nine o'clock Queensland time kickoff at NIB Stadium. So that'll be about what six o'clock, seven o'clock local time in Perth. Yeah, more or less. Something so, like that. Late evening game. All-time record against Perth: nineteen wins, eight draws, eight losses. At NIB Stadium, it's eight wins, four draws, five losses. Scott, you've got a phenomenal database of these yeah, results. Yeah, this, this took a long time to put together one off-season. Oh, well. There's a good website called ozsoccer.net. It's got all the results of the A-League, etc. So you can you can go there and see who's played, what games, all the rest of it. That's how I put this together. Yep. All right, so this season against Perth, FFA Cup round of 32. The Raw went down 2-0, but from memory, it wasn't really the role we expected. It was a little bit of a flat performance Tuesday night on the before the Echo holiday. Basically, pre-season again. Uh, yeah. A lot of the A-League sides do use this as a pre-season mm. The Raw certainly did trust me that day. It was, they were going through the motions in a lot of respects. Mm. And I think it was two set-piece goals from... Was it Dino Gilbert? Yeah, and this was at yeah. the time as well. This was when the whole Daniel Cobb off-field situation was really heating up as well. So That's encouraging. So, rotationing it from the ahead of the Muantong game, what sort of players do you think the, uh, Aloisi will go with in this game I don't think we can afford to Can't not for this it? game because obviously Perth is flying at the moment and if they win they go ahead of the Raw and we could drop to fifth yeah. so I think we've got to go for this game it's imperative that we because you can't just focus just on Chip. this is what I was saying earlier at some point you've got to you've, got to, you've got to focus it's hard to focus on both because you've got to win this game against Perth to stay in the top three and you've got to go well in the Champions League just two days later so it's that's it yeah Perth can actually leapfrog you with a victory here yeah and yeah. Melbourne City could as well pending their A-League results. So. I do think there'll be some rotation, maybe in like the wide areas, like Thomas Broich might play, or Tommy Orr might play, and they might swap around. Arana might sit out the game, or Brolo might, something like that. But I think the centre-back positions, the midfielders, and McLaren is going to be full strength. I think this is a game where, particularly because Perth are very much a 4-4-2 side, it'd be worth maybe changing our formation a bit. Yeah. Because that means we can afford to rest some players that maybe wouldn't get a rest if we stuck to our 4-3-3. If you're only playing two people in the middle to go with their 4-4-2, you get to give someone a rest. What was that? What formation would you go with? Oh, I'd go with a 3-4-1-2. That's way too revolutionary. So three at the back, five midfielders, but with a number 10. So a flat four and a number 10 and then two strikers. Well, watch out. I think we've got Antonio Conte here. I see Brett Holmes is one who might not play as well, just... Because of the long flight. And also, he's, he's coming back from injury. He's yeah. not playing 90 minutes yet. You might save him for the Champions League. But... That's okay. They've got Dimi Pit. Oh, no, wait. No, they don't. <laughs> the Raw do feel a little bit short here, but they, they do seem to have the depth. I think we are going to see Dane Ingham, as we talked yeah. about. Joey Katibian, is he still uh, concussed? I, you might find out tomorrow when the squad lists come out. Yeah. I'd be surprised if he's in the squad. 
Yeah, because he you also got the shoulder issue and all the rest of it, whatever happened to him. Well, it was only reported as a concussion, so yeah. it could turn out to be something hopefully yeah. not too serious. We've talked about this. Obviously, you're a big NFL fan. You know what concussion protocols can do and how long it can take to clear them. When they're enforced correctly, which in this case they actually yeah. were. So that's encouraging. Yeah, we, I think we'll definitely see um, Dangingham. It'd be nice to see the likes of Brady, Coletti, Constantopoulos even. I think I completely no, butchered you got that it. pronunciation. No, you did much better than I did. <laughs> but that, this is a perfect chance between these two games to see some of those players. Mm. I think you'll see him on the bench on Tuesday. I think, at, at a guess, I'm going to say Broich will probably wind up starting on the bench. They'll probably go with uh, Orr and Borello, just at a yeah. gut yeah. feeling. Save Verona for the yeah. Champions League. Rollo's young enough to play both games, so... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, it's going to be interesting. Might even see Verona play like a number 10 type role as well, but you never know. Mm. So for the other side of this game, who are you more worried about from Perth's perspective? Castro or Andy Keogh? Castro. 100%. Oh, Castro against um, Daningham as well. Yeah. This, I feel is like... this is his biggest test by far. And we and all know Castro is lethal on the ball as well. If you can't... If Keogh doesn't get the ball, he can't score. It's that yeah. simple. But that being said... Castro is I... in... Great form at the moment as well. He's just getting back to his Johnny Warren medal winning form. I just wonder if he's going to do the work defensively for once because every time I've seen him at Suncorp Stadium, he's been incredibly lazy. And if you're actu- if the Daningham's actually smart about it, he might be able to take advantage of that. But if you're playing the way Castro's playing and you're Kenny oh, you Lowe, you, you just go, forget it. Let and him if do you're a thing. young player making your second appearance, you're not really thinking, you're not going to be I'm going forward, enough. I'm thinking, I'm just going to cover, cover my man defensively, not make any mistakes. I know, it just bugs me seeing players get lazy yeah. like that. Can you can you blame me? Alright, so some of the other A-League fixtures this weekend. You've got Adelaide against Newcastle Friday night. Wellington versus Melbourne City. And then West Sydney versus Sydney in the Derby. And then the Roar going to be the... Gosh, that's going to be a little bit of a... Yeah. Yeah. It might lose a bit of its luster if it's a enthralling Derby. Of course, if it's a snooze fest, they might actually be able to produce something exciting. I remember, was it 6-3 around about this time yeah. last year? Yeah, 6-3. Hopefully that ridiculous score's reversed, but uh, we'll see. That was some ridiculous marking that day. Oh, some shocking marking. Mm. I remember listening to it on the radio because uh, when I was up in early and you're just hearing, goal! Wait, hang on, what? Goal! 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 But, uh, well, we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. Now, we're going to forego our regular A-League tips for this week, or, like oh. around the A-League. Oh, okay, yep. Just because uh, we've actually got two Raw games to tip. Yeah. So, we'll start off with Perth... Perth versus Brisbane. I'm going to actually say Perth will win 2-1. Scott? 2 all. Griffin, you're tipping on behalf of Adam, so just remember your points go to him. And we encourage ridiculous options here. Stitch him up as much as you like. Oh, I'm, just, I'm going to be sensible here. I'll oh. be ridiculous in the next game. Reverse yours, 2-1 to the raw. Okay, got that. So, Adam, if you're listening, blame Griffin. And yeah. uh, All right, so let's go with the Asian Champions League. We're going to go reverse order. Griffin, you're going to lead us off here. 4-0 raw. 2-0 to Raw. I'm going to go with Scott's margin, but I'm going to say 3-1. feel like, you know, Jamie Young's run of luck might actually uh, be caught out here. Never. We all dream of a team of Jamie Young. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, well, I think that's sealed Griffin's fate. That <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Scott, thanks as always. Good to see you, James. Griffin. Griffin, we hope we haven't turned you off coming on the show in the future. No, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And we hope we haven't listened to uh, turned you off listening either. Oh, no, I'll be listening. <laughs> Hopefully some of your teammates well, will as one, well. Then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for everyone who's listened. Uh, this is a big week of football coming up. Make sure you keep tuning in throughout the week for more news and updates on all things Brisbane football. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.